This episode of Down to Business is brought to you by Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, guiding our local communities to better health for over 50 years. Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review, with our Down to Business podcast for, I can't believe I'm saying this, July 1st, 2020. We're halfway through this year which is good because I'd like to see it to be done by now, but we still have six months to go. So let's keep a smile on our faces and just carry on. Anyway, uh, today we have our two primo staffers, Bob Sanders and Lisa Ryla, to talk about a couple of topics that they've been covering. I want to start with Bob first, Bob. You have been covering this, I guess we'll call it this session of the legislature. It's been kind of an odd thing. It's kind of got aborted halfway through and then uh, there's because of various bickering partisanship and various other things that the, the House wasn't really able to do the full job that it's supposed to do. Although some people would say that's probably a good thing, but that's a discussion for another time. Uh, anyway, Bob, so yesterday the House met and all they could do was approve bills that were already sent to them by the Senate. They couldn't amend them. They couldn't do anything but vote on these bills. So could you just go, go down, like maybe hit some of the highlights that they they voted on yesterday that, you know, especially our interest for our, our listeners, mostly business people. Well, the, we can we can go through the lists or some of them, but but we always have to remember that uh, we uh, these bills go to the governor who is very uh, willing to to uh, wield a veto pen. So uh, one thing to look at besides the bills is the vote and would they have enough to overcome a veto. Um, or which bills the governor or were negotiated or or had some support from from the governor, okay. um, but there were um, there 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 weren't that many bills passed, but that's deceptive because the bills were packaged and they included uh, dozens and in one case uh, a bill called HB one two three four, which might have been called one two three forty because there were forty <laughs> bills in it. Um, they, they package bills, a lot of them from the House that didn't make it over because uh, the, the House, because of the delays, didn't meet deadlines, and the um, and the and so they needed uh, two thirds majority to to go past those deadlines or to to reschedule uh, the deadlines, and the minority didn't allow that. Um, Part of that was because of a business reason. Um, the uh, the Republicans wanted to uh, change this um, the, um, the 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 business taxes, which are are expected to go up if the um, if our um, revenues don't come in, which was not expected. But because of the 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 pandemic. Uh, it looks like the business taxes would go up if nothing was done about it. Um, and um, so the Republicans wanted something to be done about it. The Democrats didn't agree to that. And and um, so that was one of the main reasons why uh, nothing in the House got passed. So I went to the Senate um, and the Senate basically uh, uh, picked and uh, what they liked in the house and sent it back to them, even though it didn't get to them from the house. They got and and uh, they sent it back on a few 
House bills they did get, and that all the House could do is say yes or no to these huge packages uh, of bills. Some of them were were packages, some of them were standalone, um, and um, among them is a minimum wage uh, increase that uh, go up to $12 an hour in two years, and uh, $10 an hour next year. Right now it's uh, $7.25, the federal minimum. And um, there are also um, bills that uh, sort of extend uh, the eligibility of unemployment. There are bills to kind of slow down evictions uh, that are, uh, are expected uh, today, which is when the day is lifted, which is July 1st, uh, the day when the eviction order that was imposed uh, back in March. And um, then a whole bunch of prescription drug bills. Those are just some of the some of the highlights there. And I can go into any of those you wish to talk about. Sure. Well, actually, why don't we talk a little bit about, uh, first of all, this idea that things like the minimum wage and some of the bills that didn't get enough of a, a, a the two third necessary two thirds for the governor to avoid the governor's override. Uh, those are a lot of those are, are bills. You know, the, you can argue the minimum wages for that too, but a lot of them are to basically help alleviate any economic effects that will be felt by people after federal, uh, you know, uh, limits and funding for programs ends sometime this year and like July 31st for the enhanced unemployment benefits and things of that nature. So could you just kind of go like a little bit more details about what's going on there in terms of helping people with uh, who have been benefiting from from the federal funding and what, what, what the state's going to be doing about that? Right. One of the big things that, that um, expires on actually July 23rd is the extra $600 federal government was giving for the unemployment benefits. And there's a, a bit of a fear, not just for people who care about workers, but for landlords and store owners and everybody who now gets paid because uh, because people have this money in their pocket and um, and that money is, is going to go away. So um, the Democrats in the Senate came up with a bill that would have not given 600 extra, but given 100 extra, plus extended other eligibility um, uh, rules that would, for instance, uh, in, include um, uh, the self-employed and and actually 10,000 or about a tenth of of the of the people of the roughly 100,000 who have been collecting unemployment in New Hampshire are actually small business owners. We learned last week, um, and. Uh, and so, uh, so that would be one thing, and also to extend the family leave provisions of that. Now, the hundred dollars went away in a compromise from the Senate, um, and then it went. So it just had the eligibility rules, but they also tacked in a few other things. One would be um, it extended the unpaid family medical leave. That's a federal requirements. That's basically job protection. Uh, so that you can't just, uh, if someone takes time out to take care of someone for COVID-related re reasons, um, they, um, they now, the, those protections that are in the federal law are now extended to 
to the state law if this law goes through um to to businesses with under 15 employees the federal law only protected uh, uh workers with businesses with under 50 employers so from 50 to 15. so that was one thing uh the other thing that businesses were concerned about is that it would um it would uh, basically add allow workers to refuse to come in if they if they thought that the business wasn't safe um in other words they weren't doing enough to protect uh them against covid um and so um and and that is goes further than the current unemployment law so um the unemployment insurance folks objected um the the employment insurance commissioner objected to the bill saying it would jeopardize um our federal benefits and cost hundreds of millions of dollars which would hurt our unemployment fund and would cause um taxes to go up on businesses that the unemployment tax that they pay um and um so anyway that was uh that bill did pass but it didn't pass by much and the governor almost certainly will veto it so it was a nice gesture but uh i don't know if it's nice or not but it was yeah. a gesture more than uh than something that will really change things okay now let's let's move on you know we, we have we have a limited amount of time so it's I know this is a this is a big topic, but if you could just quickly go down the ones that you think are will probably either withstand the governor's veto or also has his has his support, where where, where, are, where are those what are the what are the highlights of those those measures? Well, the the big one is prescription drugs, which uh, obviously affects not just the people who need them, but uh, the businesses that pay premiums because they the prescription jobs drugs make the largest part even more than hospitals now of a insurance premium and uh so there was a bill uh, there were a package of bills uh there were about four or five of them that was passed and a couple of them the governor testified for one is uh has to do with importing drugs from canada and it seems like everybody supports that bernie sanders made it a big deal in his campaign donald trump even supported says he supports it um so that uh, and and sununu testified for it along with dan feltis who sponsored it and that was his uh who was running against sununu if he gets the democratic nomination and um so that is uh, uh so that seemed that was it and a couple other aspects of the bill um the governor supported so there might be a chance he'll sign that plus it got uh more than two-thirds of majority a vote in the uh in the house and the senate passed it unanimously so that that has a good chance um the uh the the canada canada thing is what got all the attention but uh canada isn't too thrilled about this because they're worried that uh the, the united states will soak, soak up all of its drugs and uh and uh the only reason they got this is because they have a national health care system which we don't want to institute here and they were able to negotiate down the price of drugs and here's the united states wanting to come and and grab yeah. them at a low <laughs> price <laughs> and they wanted those drugs for their citizens 
Uh, so whether that actually happens is is doubtful, but um, but there are other parts of this the bill that that um, that could um, actually help uh, 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 lower the drug. So one of the big big things is about insulin. We would limit the uh, the uh, pay, the um, the bills on insulin to a hundred bucks uh, a month, and that that would make a big difference to a lot of people. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, we know that uh, last year was quite a roller coaster watching the governor veto over 50 bills. Well, I wonder if he, if he we'll, we'll see if he breaks his record this year <laughs> and we'll see what happens. But thanks so much, Bob. And also, I, I, I always thought you should probably get some kind of combat pay for covering the legislature, especially this year, but it's not my decision. All right, we'll be right back. We'd like to thank Harvard Pilgrim for supporting Down to Business. While so much has changed, Harvard Pilgrim's commitment to their members and the local community has not. Whether you're looking to shake it up, stretch it out, or get centered, Harvard Pilgrim's new live virtual well-being courses have you covered with Zumba, yoga, guided mindfulness, and more. All courses are available to everyone at no cost. Get more details and check out the class schedule at harvardpilgrim.org slash livingwellathome. Okay, now let's switch gears, kind of, uh, to talk to Lisa Ryle, our associate editor. She was recently at an event or tuned into an event, I should say, not at an event. Uh, presented by, uh, I was an economist from TD Bank, uh, people at TD Bank who were giving some kind of uh, forecast from, from their perspective, what the, where the economy is going and what's happening. So Lisa, could you just give us some of those highlights? Yes, um, TD Bank's chief economist, Beata Carantz, spoke about how um, it, it's interesting, the U.S. economy uh, with the coronavirus, I mean, this is going to be um, a long-term impact on our economy for the years to come. Um, they talked about how they expect that we will have low interest rates into 2022. So there are some positive things for those who are looking into, um, you know, uh, borrowing. But the fact is too that um, we're looking at low business investment and business investment will be down 5% till 2026. So, um, and then for those graduates, out of college, um, they're looking at um, 10 to 15% lower pay over the next several years. Um, that's gonna hold them back in terms of when they buy houses, when they're buying cars, starting families. Um, so this is not just a, you know, this is something that has totally reversed to our job gains since the financial recession of 2008, 2009. So mm -hmm. we're really looking at, um, you know, the U.S. economy is in recovery mode. And there's a question, too, of um, as we see states like Texas and Florida uh, and California reevaluate and close bars, are we going back into protect mode? Yeah, I mean, I, just, to, just to give a, a disclaimer here, this is this is one perspective it's not necessarily this is what's going to happen but it's it doesn't necessarily does not stand out from the crowd I mean you you know you just read every day about from various uh, quarters you know especially even the Fed chairman has been uh, you know not exactly uh, whole, optimistic about at least the short term for the for the economy but um, 
what what is this this is interesting though they're talking about business investment going down what did they were they a little specific about that or just in general were there certain areas where there'd be more or less investment or were they just saying in general be going down it was just in general that there would be weak business investment. They did talk about no matter how the virus proceeds, that is going to be the case as well as, um, you know, obviously weak government finances. They talked about how government is going to have to kind of do a shuffle back and forth to determining how much spending they can do and what sort of, you know, are they going to increase? Obviously, I think we all expect that taxes might go up. Um, and then just generally talk about uh, labor market scars. I mean, the, the positive note is that TD Bank, um, had forecasted, let's see, we've lost um, 20 million jobs the country has. They expect that by the end of 2021, we will have only lost a total of 3 million jobs. So we will gain a lot of these jobs back. Um, and the employment rate, which is around um, 12, 13%, will drop to 6.3%. Um, a lot of that is going to be driven, interestingly, by um, consumer spending, which is all based on um, our you know, behavior and how we react to, um, you know, the spread of the coronavirus and whether, you know, whether we're seeing an uptick in numbers that could uh, scare people back into their homes. So, so basically they're, they're, they're saying that this thing is, you know, because if you think about where we are today, and if you talk about gaining 17 million jobs by the end of 2021, that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, so where, do they have an idea of when this is it just going to be a slow, gradual addition of 17 million jobs? Although that sounds kind of crazy because it would take that's a lot of jobs. But is it going to be, is it going to start, is it starting now? Is it starting in September? You know, what, when, when are they talking about? Uh, they did not talk specifically about when we would add jobs. I think the idea is obviously, um, you know, we've seen that, for instance, restaurants, you know, have, uh, fewer job. There's fewer people employed right now by restaurants, and so they're thinking that as recovery mode picks up, and we, you know, are able to return to full capacity at some point, um, we will be adding those jobs back. But they said that really it will hurt us this back and forth with, um, you know, for instance, with Florida, uh, you know, California closing down its bars. Um, that just, it's, they said it was really important to look at whether we stayed in recovery mode or if we go back to protection mode and going back and forth. I mean, I know speaking, um, specifically with the owner of, uh, the Republic in Manchester, uh, he had told me that, you know, going back and forth, I mean, that's the death of restaurants because you invest so much in, um, your, uh, you know, all, all of your, uh, capital, you need your materials to open up the restaurants. Um, so, but, but in terms of consumer spending, I did want to mention that, uh, what's interesting is that, I mean, 70% of our GDP investment is consumer spending. We're a capitalist society. And so, um, luckily for states like they, they, uh, specifically noted that Maine, a year over year comparison showed that spending is pretty much where it was last year. So, um, that's good news in the sense that people are spending money kind of but it depends because uh those who are actually of the, are the lower middle class tend to be spending about where they were um but those with the higher with higher incomes are actually retaining a lot of their money or they're doing things like um you know investing in pools in their yards and some of these um you know they're not going out to restaurants so the money is not trickling down to the uh 
lower income class levels that might be working at the restaurants, working at the hotels, they're not getting the trickle down effect of um, the higher income um, wage earners because they're not going to hotels or restaurants. So there's a little bit of disparity there, but um, it all kind of depends on, like I said, what happens with um, health outcomes and coronavirus uh, cases in terms of how consumers will react and you know where the dollars will go. Yeah, I know it, it is going to be. It's it's been really kind of interesting watching what's going on in some states that states that opened up very early and are now backtracking, retreating in in a lot, in some way in large measures. Actually, you think of Texas and uh, uh, and Arizona, I believe, but then there are other states like Florida, where the governor just today or yesterday said, "Nope, we're going full speed ahead. We're not going to shut down again." And it's almost like we're watching a real time uh, social experiment going on experiments going on and we'll see how this works out but uh you know it's it's interesting New hampshire is obviously one of the states where things have progressed really well and you know but it doesn't seem like we're really going too crazy opening things up at least not at this point so i, I know that the governor seems to be more circumspect about those things Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont are doing are above average in terms of how they, you know, coronavirus cases and how we're doing in terms of the rest of the country. So that's really great for our economies. And yeah. uh, TD Bank noticed noted how New England and the Mid Atlantic are doing well. So, um, so I think that that will be the bright spot for us is that um, we have, you know, maybe it's also geographically we just were able to halt. Um, the spread early on by closing off, but um, I think that will benefit our economy in the long run. Yeah. As long as everybody stays safe and wears masks, we'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Lisa, thank you very much for that. Uh, uh, thanks, thanks to everybody listening in. And uh, once again, this is Jeff Fangel with the Down to Business podcast, thanking Lisa Ryla, our associate editor, Bob Sanders, staff writer, and our producer and publisher, Ernesto Burden. We're signing off now, everybody. Be well. Masks, wearing a mask, fortunately for us, because you know you never know what happens on Zoom or whatever or on go to meeting. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll tune in next week.